Hi, I'm Gabriella, an education student here at Southern Cross University. Welcome to the SCU Buzz podcast. Over the last 10 years, there has been a rapid resurgence in supporting open, free nature play in education settings, and today we're talking about new research in this area. The Mudbook Framework is a project that was conceived and created together with early childhood educators and children who participated in a Horizon project funded by the Queensland Government. This research asks fundamental questions about how early childhood educators and young children see nature play, what the underlying scientific concepts of nature play are, and how nature play pedagogies can support young children in learning scientific concepts. Our guest today is Professor Amy Carter Mackenzie Knowles, Executive Dean of the Faculty of Education here at Southern Cross University and the driving force behind this project. She has led more than 40 projects in environmental education and published over 150 papers in this field. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me, Gabriella. So firstly, I just wanted to start by asking why you saw the need for this research. Because really through acute observation, um, in my own life, but also in the research, more importantly, that we were seeing a lot of publications around things like what Richard Louvre was saying around nature deficit disorder and um, children having significantly less time in nature and the environment. But there's no doubt, and what I mean in terms of my observations as a parent, as a teacher, as an academic, seeing children and young people and adults for that matter far more on screens even when in nature um, or out in the environment not disconnecting from from their phone or or whatever device they're on and so in that sense we were seeing more and more programs that were deliberately focused on nature play and bush kindy and forest schools with the intent of building up those connections, building connections between uh, humans and anything other than human, you know, noting that we're all animals, um, but sometimes humans aren't very good at, at seeing themselves as an animal. And so for me, then what led to this research is really understanding, well, what do children learn in nature play? And, and in particular, what scientific concepts, what STEM concepts are they taking away? And, and that was the absolute impetus for this research. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and how did you conduct the research? So we conducted it through a methodology called cartography, which is essentially cartography is about mapping. And it's, it's specifically, it was around mapping children's, children and young people's existing nature play conceptions, but also educators as well. But then it, it leveraged more. So it was five phases. So it started with a strong research phase in terms of children working alongside us as researchers, and they were recording everyday experience using iPads um, of their nature play. But then we really worked with the teachers in using that data, really drawing on that data to develop nature play experiences so that they were child-led, but also led by the children's research. And then we had this other layer 
of the educators recording their thinking, their thoughts through visual diaries, while also implementing these nature play experiences. So in many ways, it, it, it had a pure research angle to it in terms of the first phases, but then really led into an, an active research phase, right to the point that we've, we've now developed a pedagogical framework around nature play. Yeah, that's really exciting. And it's great to see them, the children being able to participate in in the research and, and going around with their devices, taking photographs and stuff. It's yeah, it's really vital that children are positioned in research as genuine collaborators rather than simply objects of research, which is often the case. Children make up um, the most dominant group of, of people who are researched in the world, yet they're often positioned as objects. And what I mean by that is where they're surveyed, observed, but they're not, they're not genuine collaborators. Um, and I take the strong view that children are experts of their own lives and, and can certainly um, collaborate alongside researchers. And, and some of the, the insights that come out of that research would never have been found if I'd taken um, a very object-driven approach. Mm, okay, so we know the children were your subjects. What were the type of questions that you asked them? Well, this is after their research in terms of once they had taken photographs and videos. Um, so with the, with the children, we asked questions like, well, what is nature? And what is nature play? We're very specific in that. We would also ask questions like, are you nature? And how, what, what does nature sound like? And it was interesting when we asked the question around, are you nature? And some questions said, well, of course, of course we're nature. And, but then other children were absolutely adamant that, um, no, Oh, what a silly question we're not nature so you could see and what that tells us is uh, their beliefs around nature and that is absolutely fundamental then to how that they're then going into something like nature play because ultimately if we're looking um, for children to have more connection with the world around them then if they're not seeing themselves as nature, then that's something that we can really work towards in terms of um, understanding that humans are indeed nature and we are indeed an animal. But, but the thought of that for some, for some little people was quite outrageous. But for others, it was it, their explanations around it were, were beautiful. And not that the other explanations aren't either, but in terms of the positioning of humans and how they see, see themselves. Did some of those answers surprise you? They did. They did. We had some, some children who really, who talked about things like that we are an animal and that our bodies also host other animals, that, you know, we have, we have bacteria, we're more bacteria than human. And they didn't quite use those words, but they talked about little creatures inside and making them healthy. And, and so having that level of deep understanding about how their body works and, and one um, child, I remember saying that their body's like a little universe in itself because of their life allows other life is what they said. Wow. 
That's amazing. What were the main findings from your research or from this research? Some of the significant findings were around the nature play pedagogies that that certainly came from the teachers' practices. So for us, there were nine nature play pedagogies that that were revealed in terms of in terms of supporting young children's scientific understandings and STEM understandings in particular. We also found some of the other outcomes were also around um, developing far more complex understandings of children's conceptions of nature, educators' conceptions of nature, um, which is some of what I just shared. And that in itself is really critical with regards to, to then um, what types of or how the pedagogical framework, so the mud book, as we called it, how that then developed, because it's critical that it's research-led and evidence-based, and it indeed is. Can you tell me a little bit more about the mud book? I'm, I'm excited to see it, so can you tell me more? Sure. So the mud book is really, well, firstly, I'll talk about um, who it's for. So we, it was co-developed with the educators in the study. Um, and I just want to note that there were 21 sites involved in this study. So it was, it was a significant study. And in those sites, often two teachers participated. Um, and so we, we ran a number of consultative workshops in order to design it. And so it's, it was very much a co-design process. But what we wanted it to be, getting back to what I was saying in terms of the audience, is for other educators to be able to pick it up and really see, okay, I can actually do this. I can engage in these types of nature play pedagogies, but also seeing some some of the, the very best practices that are happening across early childhood, noting that that nature play has always been a stronghold in early childhood, but but not but not exclusively across the whole sector. So it really is an entry point for other educators, but also for parents and families as well. And I think that'll be really critical, the parents and, and families getting on board with this, especially with those diverse opinions um, and understanding from the children that you were speaking about. In terms of what then the mud book does it talks a lot about initially around um, how nature is conceptualized and how nature play is conceptualized but also what the significant research findings were and then it really goes into um, stem and nature play and some of those critical concepts and and what we found that the critical concepts that emerged were were very much environment led which is which is a no brainer really in that sense but at the same time what it did show us is that stem was absolutely environmentally led so we we've been calling it environmentally led stem and and what i mean by some of the concepts that that were most dominant were things like, and that were um, developing most readily, were things like earth, weathering, relationships, materials, bodies, time, ecologies. These were the things that were leading STEM. And then other concepts were bubbling up through in terms of um, physics and chemistry and so forth. And But then 
what we found, as I said, is that these there were nine dominant nature play pedagogies or teaching practices that are the stronghold of nature play and 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 I can talk about those a little bit if that would be helpful. Yeah, I would love to hear about it. So some of them um, were things like country responsive play. So what that means is where it's very Indigenous focused and and we had several sites where that was the case where where it wasn't merely just doing an acknowledgement of country, for instance. It was where acknowledgement of country was absolutely being embodied in the, the practice itself. So at one site, they would start every session with a song around acknowledgement of country where every child would also participate in that. But what I observed and through our research, what we observed is there was these constant interactions and conversations about um, about how they were then enacting that acknowledgement. So, for instance, well, if we're to pick that flower or if we're to break that branch off, we're not doing what we said we would do in our acknowledgement of country where we are coming in with great care um, and that we're not going to take anything away. So there was these constant reminders. So it wasn't wasn't just lip service. It was very much... um, deeply embedded in their practice and then there were other types of play like death play and that was very much focused on on well death but death of animals in nature so again at another site part of their play involved um observing a dead kookaburra decomposing over six months and it was quite a fascinating thing it's slow over time but that in itself that is is a is fascinating to young people obviously the smell was (laughs) was not great but this was a site where their entire setting is in the outdoors and they really operate out of essentially a black box um, and they're out in a in a reserve and so for them part of their practice involved walking with the children every day and then they would stop and observe this dead kookaburra. But what it really does then is they're, they're, they are learning fascinating things around decomposition. It's quite yeah. remarkable to have that opportunity at yeah. such a young age to develop those. But then what we observed is that happening at a lot of sites. So that, and then, and it's not like these um nature play pedagogies just operate as they are their own they often um are implemented in combination so there's also a, a real slowness to that as well and so there was another type of pedagogy we called slow play which is critical when you think of the fast-paced world we're in and and that really taught us and um showed us a we made clear observations around, well, in that slow play, you would often see child to nature play. So a child, you know, observing a ladybug along a log and following their journey for quite some time. But we'd also see child to child play where they're really in the setting um, outside, but they're not necessarily engaged deeply um, with the elements, if you like. And so, but what we did find is in that 
in the child um, to nature play, there were more opportunities for, for deeper engagement with scientific concepts. Or we saw also where groups of children would also be, for instance, observing the ladybug traversing along a branch, for instance. So it depended on what the focus was, but where there were opportunities for developing that deeper level of scientific learning. Where can people access it? I want to I wanna know where I can find it. So um, our mud book can be accessed at our website, which is um, child, childhoodnatureplay.com. And there, there's lots of resources. There's the mud book, but we've also got um, professional learning tools as well, which include a number of different videos, if you like. They're like e-bites of nature play. So some of the things I'm describing here, you can see real examples of, which, which is for a teacher, um, that's what we love to see is that we love to see these these different approaches. So there's 14 different approaches to nature play up on the site about nature play. And you've, um, you have explained a little bit about how teachers would use this research. Is there anything more you'd like to add in terms of how it can be used or how you envision it being used? Well, for us, we see it as, as something where, where teachers can use it to expand their own practice, essentially, in nature play but also um, applying nature play to really develop STEM and scientific concepts and, and realising and appreciating that it's a, it's a genuine um, pedagogical approach that develops deep scientific understandings, that it, it isn't, you know, sometimes, sometimes we have other well, teachers saying things like, well, not in early childhood, I should note, but let's say in secondary, um, well, it's just play. But what we're now seeing is even adults playing in nature um, can be far more profound and meaningful than, for instance, sitting in a room listening to, for instance, how the kookaburra decomposes if you're actually out in nature and studying it directly. We've known this for hundreds of years through works like John Dewey and others that, that experience, there's nothing that beats experience. And nature play um, is that. It, it shows the power of experiential learning. And, and that's an important message, you know, particularly when we're in this, in this world of, of the pressure of children achieving high results in um, literacy and numeracy and science and so forth, that um, we can't forget how those vital skills are best taught. And it's not necessarily, as I said, sitting in a classroom learning about how the kookaburra decomposes when you could be outside. And that's going to be far more meaningful, one, to the teacher, but also to the children and in retaining that and really understanding it. I was thinking, yeah, and being able to, to remember that later down, down the track, the whole process. Mm-hmm. What's next for, for the Mudbook research? So next, what we're looking to do is to shift this into schools. So the focus of this project was really with four and five-year-olds, so essentially preschool or the year before school. And we're increasingly seeing 
programs like forest schools, bush schools. And so essentially shifting it into schools, into um, early years and upper years and even secondary schools as well and developing a, a far better understanding how nature play can become a more legitimate pedagogical strategy in schools and what I mean by that is that it becomes far more dominant rather than a one-off thing but in order to do that we really need to understand how that can best be done but some of the research I talked about earlier around conceptions of nature and conceptions of nature play because that's going to shift when you're in a different sector such as schools. So that will be so that's essentially where it's going is that it will be, if you like, the Nature Play 2.0 project. Um, and that's what we're building up at the moment in terms of how that research will look. That's, that's really, really exciting. Is there an opportunity for students to be involved in that research? Absolutely. Even through the last project, we employed a number of students, including PhD students, master's students, honours students. We also provide opportunities to undergraduate students as well, where you can be directly engaged in the research itself. If anyone listening to this podcast is interested in this research, definitely do contact me and we'd love to get you involved. Awesome. And how important is it that pre-service teachers are across these concepts, do you think? I think it's critical because this is, as I said at the start, nature play is not a new concept. It really has its roots in early childhood, noting that kindergarten means garden. It began there. Um, and begun a lot, lot earlier than than formal education. You know, it's the basis as well of of many Indigenous cultures with with young people. But it's critical that pre-service teachers know about this because there is what we find is a lack of confidence around taking up approaches like nature play, where then they start to worry about things like risk which is a big barrier. And, and so in the mud book as well, we do have um, quite a lot of recommendations around, well, you know, how do you overcome, overcome these barriers? How can you work with these barriers? And, and they are just that. Would that be something like risk in climbing a tree, for example? That's right. Or in, for, in, a, in an Australian context, the risk seems to be more around um, what's in the environment so snakes and spiders and um but then a lot of teachers talked about well what they did in that scenario that they would do before they would um they would open up essentially the environment for 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 children's nature play activities that of course they would do a close observation are there any snakes in the area and but have those deep conversations with children as well they're not silly they're not going to go and just pick up a snake but um but when you've got very young children there which some of our centers did like babies then again there's real strategies you can apply and rather than being risk averse which is which is the worst thing I think a teacher can do because that does really teach an environmental education lesson as well. What it says is that the environment is not somewhere we go out into. It's somewhere it's somewhere that's not safe. Um, and so that in itself sends a message too. And, and 
which isn't a good thing because it promotes that disconnection. Amy, you are the Executive Dean of the Education Faculty here at Southern Cross University. Have you incorporated this type of research into the curriculum and programs here? We have. So for the first time from 2022, all of our new programs, so our Bachelor of Education, Masters of Teaching, um, have a core unit now in environmental education. So every pre-service teacher will do that unit, whereas in the past it's been elective. But we're doing more than that. We're also uh, having a core Indigenous education unit and we've, we've just employed an Indigenous um, education lecturer who is indeed an Aboriginal woman, which is critical. And we've also, we've designed new units in our new programs, which really focus on some of these important pedagogies right from the very first unit through our philosophy unit. Um, so it's not something that you're just going to come into in your third or fourth year and not have heard of it before because it's a, it, what we're looking at is far more building of the curriculum. So the first year is the foundation. Then we're working to, you know, diving deeply into the curriculum and curriculum design um, and then pedagogy and finally then transitioning into the profession. So in that sense, Things like nature play, environmental education, Indigenous education are, are critical in that process. And it sounds like it's really going to be embedded throughout the entire degree, which is fantastic. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you for, um, for being here today, Amy. The Childhood Nature Play Seminar and Launch will take place on Thursday, the 23rd of September at the Gold Coast campus, with the panel discussion starting at 3.30pm. It will include the launch of the childhoodnatureplay.com website and the mud book, Nature Play Framework and Professional Learning Tools for Childhood Educators. To register, go to scu.edu.au slash education slash events. Thank you for joining us on the SCU Buzz to chat about this exciting project. Mm -hmm.